Okay, so in, in line with uh, what we defined last week as Hevel, the idea of being hemmed in to a certain dimension, without possibility of dancing beyond that. Let's go to the next process. So, Chazal already set the tone for the meaning of the Pasuk. It's a rhetorical question. In other words, that Kahelis is cautious. It's Hevel is only to the extent that what he does is concentrated Tachas Hashemesh. Now, what does Tachas Hashemesh mean? And what's the whole thing about? Now, First of all, the expression Tachas Hashemesh. Now, in Kohelis, I think we mentioned that before, that there are certain words and phrases which occur again and again. And if we can get a good definition of precisely what those phrases mean, it will give us a feel for what the Sefer is trying to teach us. Tachas Hashemesh is one of them. It occurs many, many times in the Sefer. And particularly significant is the fact that quite a few times, instead of saying Tachas Hashemesh, it says Tachas Hashemayim. So, in the Sefer and Kisve HaKodesh, we don't expect to be arbitrary. So, we must assume that the two phrases, Tachas Hashemesh and Tachas Hashemayim, have different meanings. And if we can isolate precisely what those meanings are, then we can discover the tone of a given passage by seeing whether the term that is used is Tachas Hashemesh, or Tachas Hashemayim. Now, Shemesh, in Chazal, and the way Chazal described Tanakh, Shemesh always symbolizes Olam Hazel. I'll say that the Shemesh is the Melech over Olam Hazel, because the sun, really, everything ticks in this world because of the sun. We are, even in those terms, we are a satellite, right, of the sun. Our whole life revolves around the sun. The sun gives heat, the sun gives light. Everything derives all life, all physical life, 
derives from the sun. So the Shemesh is always a symbol of physical Bria. In the next ship, Sukkim, we'll see another aspect of that. But in the meanwhile, that's sufficient. And that is why, whenever Chazal want to underline something's physicality, it's Shemesh. It's the sun or the sun year which symbolizes that. For example, very Nagea to today's settler. They talk about Yaakov and Esau. So Chazal, when they describe Edom, so they describe the capital of Edom, <coughs> always with numbers which are derived from the sun year. There are 365 Shvokim, 365 marketplaces in Edom. Each Shuk has 365 stalls in it and so on, right? These are not exact statistics, but these are agadic references to certain essential truths. Maral explains that the 365 is the idea of the Shemesh, the sun, and that that is the code symbol for Adam, who represents, in the scheme of things, the parts of creation which are physical, as opposed to, to Yaakov, Yaakov and Esau. Yaakov is Benoah HaKotan. The Luach of the Halacha is directly key to the moon, to the Levana, not to the Shemesh. Moses says that the Sotan or Yumun isn't Shailat on Yom Kippur. The most Hasotan is Bigamatria, 364. So there's one day that he's not Shailat, it's Yom Kippur. So you see again that the Shlita of the Sotan is keyed not to the moon year, to the lunar year, but to the solar year, 364, 365. So the sun always symbolizes the physicality of things. So, Tachas HaShemesh, that stems very well. Tachas HaShemesh, then, is what Chazal said. Tachas HaShemesh, ein Yisron, l'malo min HaShemesh, yesh Yisrael. Because Tachas HaShemesh means in a framework of physicality. That's really what it means. That's what the word, that's what the phrase, Tachas HaShemesh means. So, Ma Yisrael Le'olam Ucholamole Shiyam Al Tachas HaShemesh means that's what Hevel is, the way we described it last week. Hevel is somebody who is bound into the dimensions of a given unit and can't expand beyond it. So, what Shlomo would be saying over here, the Hevelness of things is if the orientation is Tachas HaShemesh. Right? Same as this Yid. You remember when he came to the Zainer, he needed the Tzitzis to show him that he can go beyond himself, that that which seems to be a limitation is not really a limitation, but he's able to break out of those bonds and go beyond it, like the Tzitzah saw that, that's the infusion of a Rukhni into a physical world. Now, the person is able to be shyed on himself, the person is able to control himself, the person is able to make himself do or not do things which the Teva seem Mufrach, 
because he's not functioning at a Tachas Hashem level, but he's functioning at a Lemailam Hashem Hashemayim has a quite different connotation. Interesting point that the Maral makes. Language is a very remarkable thing. People talk, label things in certain ways which express essential truths. Well, sometimes if you find an illogical expression, you analyze it a little bit, you'll hit on a essential truth which the genius of the people expresses in a given language set. If you want to say that so-and-so is a God-fearing man, you'd want to use Hebrew, what would you say? He's a... Huh? What's that? You're a king, is that what you say? Huh? You say he's a Yerushalayim, what? No? You ever heard anybody say so-and-so is a Yerushalayim? No, I don't think so. What? You say he's a Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim. You've got to have Yerushalayim, no? You want to say that so-and-so loves God? What would you say? Don't say it's often, but what would you say? Ever heard of anybody being an Ohe Shaman? Have you? No? It's not a phrase that's used, yeah? If you use it at all, you'll say so-and-so is an Ohe Hashem. So we have a Yerei Shamayim and an Ohe Hashem. Or at least we don't really have an Ohe Shamayim. That's an expression which simply doesn't exist. Now where did that come from? Not based on the Prophet, so the Prophet talks about fearing Hashem. doesn't talk about fearing Shomayim. And nevertheless, somehow, people got to coin this phrase. He's a Yerei Shomayim. He's supposed to have Yeras Shomayim. Why is that? The answer to that is because this expression describes precisely what Yiras Shamayim is, what Yira is. The phrase that is Yireya Lakim or Yireya Hashem, it may make sense to Ezra, it's true, is fearing God, but it's really an inner contradiction. Because the difference between awe, which is Yira, and Ava, which is love, is the idea or the contrast between distancing oneself or closing in on somebody. When we talk about two people loving one another, Ahava, we talk about closeness. Right? When people love one another, they are double to one another. Fakeness, closeness. That's what Ahava is. Yira, in its finest form, which is a sense of awe, sense of being very much under the impression of one's insignificance in the face of something which is immeasurably greater, that expresses itself in distancing. To say that I am a Yirei Hashem, in other words, using God's name to describe my Yira, 
Because it's so disturbing. You're such a yoga head, don't be so familiar. Because that's itself the idea of Yiva. You see, Shamayim is an expression which denotes distance. Because that's what Shamayim means. It means Shamnas squared. Right? A double Shamnas. Sham. Not only Sham, but Shamayim. Much further. Right? That's what Shamayim is. Shamayim is the point which is about as distant from me as you can get. So when I relate to Hashem as an Ohev, I feel very close to Hashem. When I relate to Hashem as a Yodeh, I feel very distant from Hashem. So when I describe myself as a Yodeh, I describe myself as a Yerei Shomayim, as somebody who stands in awe of something which is way, way beyond his reach. Hashem is so big, I am so small, I am a Yodeh. So we express that by saying, I'm Yirei Shamayim. Ahavos Haket. Right? I don't feel Hashem as being distant when I love Him. When I love Hashem, I feel Him as being very close. So Tachas HaShamayim would then describe a situation in which I function as a Yodei. You remember that we defined that the Sefer as a whole is discussing how to be a yoga. Remember that Shlana Melah wrote Sheashirim, who could teach us the avoider of Ahava, and he wrote Kahelis, to teach us the avoider of Yira. So that's what we'll find. We'll set the tone for various passages in the Sefer that when it's using it's talking about a context of physicality. When it's talking about Tachas it's an entirely different connection. Okay, so Let's analyze that. What is an Odom? Now, an Odom is a, is a man, you know, right? But what aspect of manhood is described with the term Adam? We know that there are many different Hebrew words which describe a man. Gever, Yish, Enosh, and so on. The world that it has ten different designs, I can think of it. So what is order? And order, of course, is a very basic meaning for man because that's the name which Hashem gave out of Malaysia. That's my order. So the Pashtas of the Psukim and Bereshis, although it comes from Bereshis, it's like it is in the other, but the Pashtas of the Psukim in Bereshis indicate that Adam is called Adam because he was formed from the Adama. Because he was formed from the earth. Now that's not a good reason to call him Adam. The reason for that is that everything else is also formed from the earth. Right? All the animals were also formed from the earth. So, describing man 
as an earth extracted being is not very informative. That's about the equivalent of instead of calling this table, I would call it wood, that's what it's made out of, right? But it's not going to teach me much because plenty of things are made out of wood. And if I want to describe table, that means the particular thing on which you put your plate when you eat or your safer when you learn, it's not going to do me much good to describe it as wood because it could be any one of a myriad other things. I say table, you know what I mean. So to describe man as that which is formed from the Adoma is not going to do you much good because so are the animals. So why call man Adam? Maral learns that he's not called Adam so much because he's formed from the Adoma, but because he has the qualities of Adoma. Now, what are the qualities of Adoma? The qualities of Adoma are this, that a clod of earth is absolutely nothing. Right? If we want to talk of something as being useless, being absolutely without value, we take a cloud of earth and it's garnished. Nevertheless, there is absolutely nothing in this world that doesn't derive from the earth. Right? The earth feeds us, it sustains us, we live on it, it supports us. So the Adama is that which has no intrinsic value at all, but whose potential is absolutely limitless. That's what Adama is. Adama is something which is worthless, but has an infinite potential. And that is why Adam is called Adam. Because in the living world, he represents the Adama. He is that which has absolutely no value at all, but can generate infinite value. See, that is why of all the Bria, Sheshis and Mebulashis, the only Bria concerning which Hashem did not say that it was toy was the other. Every other thing which Hashem created, he described as toy. By Yaelokim ki toy. And by Odom he doesn't say it. The reason why by Odom he doesn't say it is because an Odom is not toy. An Odom can make himself toy. But he wasn't toy as Hashem created him. He becomes toy only and develops himself. He takes all his kaifas, takes all his abilities, uses them, develops himself, stimulates growth in himself. So then the time comes that he becomes toyed. But he's not toyed as he is. So Steph Toy doesn't say it. By order that he's toyed. Right at the end of the Briya, it says, Vayailokim is kalasha osa, vehinei tov ma'od. Ma'od contains the Odom in itself, right? The Ma'od is the Osiyas of Odom. In other words, the Posseg is Marames, that there is Toiv in an Odom too, but that it's not as he is, but he has to unscramble himself. Take the Ma'od and unscramble it and create an Odom from it. 
So that is what Adam is. Adam is that which is infinite potential. Now, that is in stark contrast to a behemoth. So I'll tell us that in contrast to the other who contains an infinite potential, the behemoth is made up of two words, Bob, Ma. Right? Which means that whatever it is, is in it already. Right? It's marvelous, it's being is within itself. Now, that is the precise difference between an Adam and a Behemoth. An Adam is somebody who grows, develops, who is not at the point of his creation that which he ought to be. That there is vast growth within him, which isn't there now. Behemoth is a character. Now, you take everything together, which we've learned to know, which process which you say in the morning in Davening becomes very clear to us. Process from Kahelas. Those of us who are from late for Davening. That's all of us. Huh? Huh? You say that every morning in Davening? What does it do there? Huh? Oh. Right? Here we have some of our buzzwords, right? Odom, Behemo, Hevel. That's a possible later on in Kahelish, right? Omosa, Ha'odom, Min Ha'behemo, Oyen, Kiyakal, Hevel. Right? What did we say Hevel is? Huh? Alright, so let's take the second definition. Hevel is the absence of growth. Right? So, the Mosa of the Odom over the behemoth, which is what? That the behemoth is ma, which means it's ungrowable and undevelopable, right? In contrast to the Adam, who is Mr. Potential, right? But when it's Havel, in other words, when no steps are taken to generate that, if it's Hevel, if his existence is a Hevelic existence, which we saw just now, is defined as an existence, Tachas Hashemesh, then the Moisa, the advantage which the Odom has over the Behemoth, which infinite potential has over no potential, is Hevel, is Oyen, it's nothing. Not the, the, the advantage is completely meaningless because it's Hevel. That's the Shadon of Now, Having seen that, let's get back to our fossil. And what word do we recognize now? Ma? No? Yisra, right? Yisra is the same word as? Mosa. Mosa ho'odam in abahem ma'oyim, right? Now the same idea here, ma yisra. Now we have one more piece to fit into this jigsaw puzzle and everything is in place. Our success? Odom le Omol Yulad. 
that Adam was created for Omar. Okay? Now, in terms of the way we define Adam, what is the mashmoz of that Tosot? Adam le Omar Yulad? What does it mean? Adam le Omar Yulad? No, come on. Alright, now come on, define it better. Okay, but what's the significance of the fact that Adam is used? Okay, if you want to release the potential, right, which is contained in your name, Adam, okay, so that is what Adam means, it doesn't say Ish le Adam le Omar Yulad, right? But Adam le Omar Yulad, it means that it's the potential. Adam, who is called Adam, because as he is, he's nothing, but that he is infinitely able to grow, or able to grow infinitely, that Adam, here, how do you generate that growth? The only way you generate it is through Omar. Okay? That is what you're saying? Okay. So now we've got our Pasuk. Ma Yisrael le Adam b'chal amolai it's the Omar, right? Shia amol tachas hashamash. Okay? The Adam is supposed to have a Yisron, right? Over the Behemoth, over everything else. That's why he's an Adam. But Ma Yisron the Adam, what Yisron can the Adam have if he invests that Omar from which he was born, Adam the Omar, so if he invests that Omar, in efforts which are directed to activities which are tachas hashemesh, so then it's not going to get very far. Right? That is the meaning of this process. That is the translation of the, or this is the definition of the word paper. Right? That is the definition of the word Kohelet. Why is Hakkad Havel? Or under what circumstances is Hakkad Havel? When is Hakkad Havel? It's all Hegel. If the activities which you've got, the Omar which you invest, is Tachas Hashanah. So you can have an Adam. Whose Omar, from morning to night, he rushes around, he builds, he works, he generates, and it's all a lot of haven. It's all a lot of nothingness. And it won't do a thing to his Adamness. After 120 years, he finishes life at the precise point at which he started, except probably much less so. Because if it doesn't develop, then he says to it, fall behind. That is, if the activities, frenzy of activity, of which is capable, is directed Tachas Hashemesh. That's what Fatal said, that Tachas Hashemesh ain't Yisrael, Abu Lamaylam in Hashemesh, Yesh Yisrael. Okay? 
That's this person. And Kahelis goes on and says like this. Now, this whole section, these next few psukim, let's read them through quickly. What would you say is the basic thought of these three folks who which we register? From Pasuk 4 through Pasuk 7. What is the theme, would you say, of those three Pasuk? Not necessarily that you should be able to translate every single word. It's loud when you learn to not get used to that. Right? A lot of times you get hung up on an individual word and you lose sight of the forest because of the trees. Right? Try and be able to read a passage in its general sense get to those single words afterwards. Now, if you would have to put in a capsule form, what are these three pops sukim? What is the subject of it? What would you say? Is that hand up over there? Or down? Yeah. Is that hand up? Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, no, so who wants to, who wants to give a, share a thought about what is the, yeah? The history repeats itself. Okay? Who agrees? Yeah? Is that something else or something else then? Not exactly the same. Even as we think that we're doing things in an innovative way, we're repeating Okay. I object to one word in that formulation, but only one word. What do you want from the poor river? The river makes mistakes? Yeah, but you see, you, you, have, you have to incorporate in your definition the other psukim also, which talk about the sun shining, rising and setting, right? The rivers flowing into the sea. That's going to do with mistakes, and that's what I'm objecting to in your definition, right? It's not history, right? The flow of rivers, I don't think, is the stuff of which history is made. Human affairs are the stuff of which history is made. You agree? And therefore, I wouldn't say that the Teichen of the Psukim is a history repeat itself, but that... Huh? Now what? Why zeroing on man? That's only one of the Psukim. Right? The other psukim deal with the sun, the third source it deals with the rivers. So it's not man. Huh? I don't know, maybe it is, but it's not. What do you say, Zarek? Yeah, there's the old laughing now. What do you say? Huh? Yeah, I would say that. That's much more. And I was, I get rid of the history idea. I mean, I think that the history part of it is reflected in the first passage, right? Right? The but I mean, the thrust of that phrase itself, yeah, you have to take in the context that somehow the hoidah and bo of the dial 
is seen as part of a pattern together with the hilaf and bow of the sun and the hilaf and bow of the rivers. Right? So to... Yeah, what did you want to say? Who are the... Yeah? yeah? Well, I mean the Ramban said that on the individual things, right? So what do you mean? How is that reflected in the fact that the rivers go into the sea and the sea doesn't get full? Well, I don't know why it just keeps going is synonymous with not having any use. I mean, is, does it say that it doesn't have any use, or does it say it keeps going? So, why, why editorialize it? Let, 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 let Kyla say what he means. So, what does he say? Keeps going. Okay. I think that that is the basic idea of the... Of the, of the what did you want to say? Yeah, I mean, what, what the Sefer seems to be saying over here is, he observes something, and that is the constancy, the constant replay in human affairs and in physical affairs. Right? In other words, that what he observes <coughs> is really a good word to use for that is machzorius. In other words, the constant replaying. Same river goes into the same sea, right? Then it flows again to its source and becomes a river again and flows in again and the sun goes up again and it goes down again and it shines again. It's always going on and on and on and on and on. Right? That's what they're saying. Now, what is the significance of that? What does a word A circular world. What does that imply to us? That was the fact that the Rebbeinu created the world in this way. The circular motion. Right? In terms of the planetary system, which is what the sun setting and the sun rising is talking about, right? The constant revolving of the earth around the sun on its own axis the constant revolving of the water system, which those of you who know your, your biology know the unbelievable thrill of understanding how that works, right? The evaporation and then the clouds and then the rain and then the river and then the source and then the back and then the forth, right? What did Hashem do? What is the significance? of a career which works in circular motions. What is the significance of a perpetual motion in creation? That is what Kahelas is diving into at this point. Alright? We need to analyze that, but it's already 2011, so we'll stop here. But that is the subject which we're going to have to take up next week. In other words, Kahelas is noting over here as a continuation of the thought in my Yisrael in the order he's describing a Tachos Hashem existence 
which is circular in motion, constant, always coming again to its original beginning, back and around and around and around. And the implications of that we'll see next week.